DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm sitting with Trip Turlington. Yo! And Mr. Modingo. What up? How you guys doing? Pretty good. You getting long all right over there, Trip? Yeah, the knee's Busted knee. Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit better. Um, Today's the first day I've actually been kind of able to hobble around without the use of crutches, but, I mean, I've still got it in a brace, but... Uh, even then, like I still do use the, the crutch cause I don't want to put too much weight on it and bash yeah. it up, but finally got my MRI last night. Uh, this is what, uh, almost a month later, <laughs> <So> <laughs> it gets a little rough, you know, like yeah. there's all these like festivals that we plan to go to, you know, uh, all the summertime stuff and, you know, but me crowds, hot weather, crutches just doesn't sound good (laughs) (laughs) mo you had a mobile gig last night of some kind yes i did how'd that go it was a wedding it was a wedding (laughs) Um, uh, so we've so far established that it was a wedding yes it was (laughs) a couple got married um this one was a little bit different where i had to do sound at the chapel and at the reception so that was a little interesting. I mean, not super cumbersome. It was just really low key at the chapel. I just took one speaker and used uh, my laptop. Oh, okay. Um, so you didn't have like a super huge oh, rig to tear down and set up real no, fast? No, not at all. Just uh, one stand, one speaker, my laptop, which I didn't realize how difficult it is to try and DJ just using your laptop without any kind of controller or anything like that. Mm. I was going to use my iPad, but I'm not super familiar with the interface for um, Tractor DJ. Yeah. on it yet so i didn't want to risk something stupid happening doing so, something new and exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah introducing something at the last minute you know probably wouldn't have not have been intelligent that so, would have been a great use case for that though. it totally like, would have yeah. had yeah. i got up to speed beforehand but yeah. you know downloading it on thursday and the wedding was saturday is probably not <laughs> <laughs> probably not an intelligent choice uh yeah so the tra- i mean again they're there for the couple but you know me as a quote artist um, you know, it, it was a little bit painful having to just like do those drop cuts and edits and stuff <laughs> like that. But, you know, I marked some cue points, you know, because I had talked to the couple uh, a few days before and kind of went over specifically what time in which song they wanted breaks and all that stuff. So that part was easy for me. But I still felt, you know, from an artistic side, still felt kind of like I was, you know doing something bad that's the you know when i used to do mobile and wedding gigs and stuff like that like for me it just helped to to you know draw some clear lines mentally and say this i am doing as a service for money this over here i'm doing because i'm an artist and it's great if i get paid for it like like it's it's you know it's like you know you're either making you know macaroni and cheese or you're making spaghetti, you know, like they're both pasta, but it's different, different. things. Yeah. So. <laughs> so how how did that go with the the crowd? You said something about uh, grumpy old people. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, when uh, we got to the reception, it uh, I guess chaotic would be a good adjective. Okay. Um, they, well, they didn't have a coordinator. It was just kind of like a small-ish wedding. But the venue was really nice. It was at a canoe club, which mm. I had never been to before. So it was like right on the water. You could see everything. And it actually... Um, Did they say canoe DJ our wedding? <laughs> but um bump Hey! I love dad jokes. <laughs> Sorry, continue. The cool thing about this venue, though, it's, it's, it is in its original condition as when it was built in 1912. 
Oh, um, wow. And it's one of only two like facilities in the entire country mm. that still have the same architecture and everything. So that was really super cool. So I had some time to walk around on Friday when I set up uh, since the event was on Saturday. So getting back to the chaoticness. So they didn't have a coordinator. So, you know, there was a lot of like going back and forth, you know, between the the couple and the parents and what they wanted to do next and everything. You know, I just had a generalized idea that the couple had given me as far as like when they wanted to do things, you know, they wanted to do their, well, the first part was the, they wanted to walk in to the um, venue with a bit of a mashup type deal. Like they wanted 10 seconds of this song and they wanted like another oh, so five seconds of this song. they had a preconceived notion about the mashup that they wanted? Yes. But we, you had like zero time to... Well, they told me Friday <laughs> that they wanted to do this Saturday. Yikes. So Okay. How'd that go? I did the best I could is I, I, I made them sit down with me and I said, okay, tell me exactly what you want. Because if I do it, I'm going to like overstress on about it and I'm going to try and make it perfect. And I'm not at that point. I was like, I can't worry about this. So, you know, they wanted like a little clip of, of this song, a Kendrick Lamar song. Then they wanted something from a country song and they want something from a pop song. So I was like, I was kind of throwing up in my mouth already. <laughs> As I'm, as I'm going through all this, but I'm just smiling and okay. And, and what next? So then all I did was just make cue points and was just basically doing just drop, okay. drop mixes. You yeah. Know. That's probably the best option in that scenario. Just yeah. get into it. sounds like that's what they want. Yeah, exactly. Instead of trying to, re cause I thought about recording it for a second, but then, you know, not knowing their particular timing. Cause all I did was basically watch them. And when they kind of looked at me, I would be like, okay, next, you know, hit the next cue point, hit the next cue point, hit the next oh. cue point. <laughs> So I think it went oh, so okay. So you still had like an active DJing role in that while you were doing. Correct. Because you had, you still had like a, uh, an event based thing going on there right? or a, uh, like a time based thing. Yes. Yeah. They, they didn't give me any specific time frames, like a, when to cut, they told me when to start, but they didn't tell me when to cut. So that kind of didn't really help. Mm. So I just sort of had to watch them. And then, so like whenever they sort of, Oh, okay. To kind of look at me, I'd be like, okay, next, hmm. next, 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 next. And there, there's, there's maybe like, six songs i think that they cut through and then the last song just played out and that was their first dance hmm. oh, okay so what they did that then they cut the cake and they did you know dinner and everything and then they did the the daddy daughter dance so went through all that and then i just sort of kept playing music because people were still dancing mm -hmm. and then that's when the grumpy people came up <laughs> and they were like the music's too loud you know and I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> and you're too old. No. <laughs> I saw that on a t-shirt somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I used to have a sticker that said that. <laughs> it's too loud. You're too old. And then uh, another uh, individual came up and asked me to play different music because uh, her her argument was like, well, you know, look at the people in the audience. You know, it's, it's a lot of older people. You know, the younger kids, you know, they're the only ones that know this music. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm being paid by the couple yeah, to so, do this. Right. So, do you run into that a lot? Like people who, who at specifically at weddings, because that's kind of like, hey, the the bride and groom told me this is how it goes down, and they are the king and queen tonight. And actually, that's the first time that has ever happened. To really, me. someone from the audience was like, "Hey, can you play something different?" Um, so I kind of massage that, you know, just smile and nod. Yeah. Because I was telling Dave before the show, since they didn't have a coordinator and since I'm the one that's facing the crowd, I mm. kind of feel 
responsible. Like they're going to blame me if this whole thing sucks. Oh yeah, for sure. So guy holding the mic. Exactly. Even though it's not my gig, I'm just there to provide a service. People are looking, you know, literally they're facing me and I'm facing, I'm I'm one against, you know, a (laughs) hundred. So I, I feel a little bit obligated to try and maintain some control or at least steer things in a certain direction. And since I'm providing a service, you know, I want to be known for someone who does a good, decent job as opposed to, oh, well, you know, when your sister gets married, we're not using that DJ because he was rude and he didn't play our music and blah, 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 you know. So, you know, trying to smooth things out. I don't think anybody really noticed that I had kind of switched up genres because I was, you know, I saw some chair dancing and head nodding and people singing along and tapping each other on the shoulder, you know, saying, hey, you know sing along and stuff like that. So then I, I slowly built up from the seventies all the way back up. And then nice. it's just one of those deals where I had to just shut up and be nice. Yeah. Cause I'm being paid. I'm, I'm basically being paid to be an iPad or iPod, you know, when you get down to it, but I can still, well, inject let, some, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Well, you well, but, you, you but met saying, with a couple beforehand. Yeah. You got an idea of what they wanted. You set up and broke down sound twice. Yeah, I mean, right. But yeah. I, I guess from the audience perspective, I'm just DJing. Right. Okay. You know, you're just DJing. You're just right. here to play music that we want to hear. But, you know, and like I said, I spend time with the couples. I've mentioned this before, and I try and find out exactly what they want, and I stick to their 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 wishes. Sure. And, you know, if they allow me to take requests, I'll do that. So I I kind of did. I, I massaged a little bit of both. The couple didn't really seem to mind that I was veering off what we had we had talked about. But I think in the end, like like my wife said, she's like, were people dancing? I was like, yes. And she's like, all right, you did your job. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, just keeping it simple. In the, in the end, I mean, at the end of the day, I think everybody had a pretty good time. I learned a lot. Um, actually took down some notes while, <laughs> while I was DJing about, you know, possibly a future episode uh, talking about mobile DJing. So, right. So, uh, listeners be on the lookout for some Facebook traffic, trying to solicit some, uh, information ideas and thoughts and maybe even talking to you guys directly about you know the mobile the mobile space yeah absolutely i mean you're you're like our our resident mobile expert now i think so (laughs) it's like i told dave this morning i didn't i guess i I guess i am a mobile dj i I never i didn't really think of myself to wear two hats (laughs) (laughs) right right. i didn't think of myself as a mobile dj i thought more of myself as a fitness event dj but i guess that inherently is mobile so yeah You're setting up your own sound for those, right? Yes. Then you are mobile. Then it's mobile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mo, speaking of mobile gigs, haven't you been talking to somebody on our Facebook about a, a oh. little bit of mobile yeah. gig uh, issues? Uh, some mobile gig strife. Yes, yeah. I have. A little stressful situation, it sounded like. What yes. was going on with that? And I, I, uh, I can kind of sympathize with one of our listeners. goes by Crew Duff out of Salt Lake City, Utah who ironically is from Columbus, and he said he'll be uh, headed this way shortly, so hopefully we'll get a chance to hook up with him. So, from Crew Duff, greetings to everyone out there at the Passionate DJ Podcast. I enjoy the podcast each week, and also love that you guys are growing the scene back in my homeland. I'm originally from Columbus. I'm reaching out of frustration, unfortunately. I had a client lined up for a wedding gig, and they canceled on me the night of the wedding. Initially, they told me they wanted my services from 7 p.m. to midnight, and I quoted them a price similar and fair based off what I've gathered from other DJs in the area. Today, they told me they actually wanted entertainment from 4 o'clock to midnight, so I gave them a new quote. After a few hours passed, 
the bride called and told me that they were going with a quote cheaper option. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm this pretty like pissed. like the night of. <laughs> night oh, of, yeah. Oh man. Needless to say, I'm pretty pissed. I shall always have a contract for my own clients from here on out, but I'm still salty about losing out on that loot and what I could have made and what I could have made out of referrals from other clients. Any thoughts are appreciated. Even if you don't read this note on the podcast, as always, keep spinning. So we read it and I've actually <laughs> wow, been in com- communication well, with uh, Mr. Duff a little bit here. So, um, have you guys had that experience? Unfortunately, it just, I mean, not that very specific thing, but I've known plenty of people that it has happened to, and it's it's unfortunately, you know, just a hazard of the mobile arena. Mm-hmm. And the best way to, the you're never going to stop that from happening. The only thing you can do is protect yourself. And I think we just talked about that in a recent episode. And how do you protect yourself, David? <laughs> <laughs> protect yourself, guys. Wear a contract. <laughs> But, you know, to safe DJing. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, um, you know, you have particular time frames set up within that contract and make sure that everybody has signed it. Everybody's got copies of it. And depending on who is canceling on who or changing the parameters of the contract at whatever point, you know, in that timeline, then the contract you know, uh, dictates what, what happens and who is responsible for what it's the only way to really protect yourself in, in that, in that kind of a situation. You know, we, uh, Mo and I talked about this a little bit offline and there are two really frustrating things about a situation like that. One is you could have booked another gig. Exactly. Yep. Right. So Which is the whole reason behind a deposit. Yeah. For right. Sure. Yep. And the other is especially, you know, I, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole cause I think we're going to dedicate an episode to this, yeah. but you know, you do a lot of prep work when you're doing, say, a wedding. You go, yeah. you, you have them fill out a survey. You get a list of, like, you know, here X amount of songs that give us the general idea of the the feel of the night. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, you meet with them and do all this stuff. And then you prepare all that. You prepare your playlist and whatever it is that you do. Now all that work is just for nothing. And yeah. if you don't have a deposit or a contract or anything like that, then you've spent two, three, five, ten, I have no idea how many hours Hours, outside of the wedding that most people don't really see or realize that that's what's happening. Yeah, Yeah, because before you answer that, like, I mean, the the amount of prep work, you know, some, some weddings or some mobile events are just pretty cut and dry. They just want some kind of background music, right? Yeah. Right. And as long as they give you some parameters to stay within, you show up, you set up, you you do your thing, right? But there are some people who are really, really, really super picky about that kind of thing, or they have some very specific, uh, specialized things that they want. So like, like your mashup. Yeah. Yeah. It, exactly. Like I've had some people who wanted like you know some montage of different tracks, but then they wanted like these, you know, transitions in between it. Like it was like some kind of like a dance mega mix, you know? So like they wanted like scratching in between things. And, you know, so, you know, by the time I like spend a few hours in Ableton to put all of that stuff together, actually back then it was logic, but you know, put all that stuff together and drop those like scratch yep. samples to make everything all nice and fluid. Well, you know, I've got a few hours into this one thing that's going to be used once. Once, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I so. have a very similar story. I don't think I've ever told that on the show, actually. Yeah. I put, put together 
two like short mega mixes like that. They were yeah. both like yeah. five minutes long, right, right, and like twenty to thirty seconds for each song, mm-hmm. and it was for a cheerleading <laughs> troupe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And no contract. I was doing it for a friend, and yep. just cranked it out. I, when I say cranked it out, I probably put twelve, fourteen hours into this project, yeah, yeah, yeah. and never got paid ever. Mm-hmm. And it was a friend, you know, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but I mean, it's been almost 10 years and I've not been paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Still waiting. Yeah. So that's, Ooh, yeah. that stuff gets, seems to get forgotten pretty quickly. Right. I right. did do that for a friend's wedding about six years ago. Uh, I used audacity to put it all together and same type of deal where they said, well, here's what we want to do. Cause that's a lot of times you're seeing those YouTube videos of these people doing like the evolution of dance and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's essentially what they wanted. So same type of deal. They wanted this, 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 and this. And I was like, okay, I told them I'd do it, but I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. It became a lot more challenging than I thought it was. But at the end, when they did it at the wedding, the only three, the only three of us knew about it. So it was a huge surprise. So like that was a tangible benefit for me to see that people sure. appreciated it, but it still sucked. so getting back to your point about the time invested i've only had two wedding gigs cancel on me one was because of a deployment i wasn't gonna right i I gave them their money back i mean that's just you know that's just un-american act of god or country is probably (laughs) excusable right (laughs) Right. (laughs) yeah i had no problem giving them their money back the other uh one was I, i booked it very early in the year for for it to be scheduled later in the year about two months down the road they reached out to me and said hey we're canceling blah blah i'm like okay well cool you know i hope whatever you do is is amazing i'm sure it'll be a great time yes yeah, as long as there's several months ahead of time like yeah but oh <laughs> <laughs> the subsequent email came back well, I know your contract says no refunds, but we were wondering since you didn't really do that much work for us, if we could get our our deposit back, and you know that's one of those things I had to close the the laptop and walk away <laughs> 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 because I had our like David said, you know, I meet with a couple and I right. and I do certain things. I already done I had already done that, and I had probably put about an hour or two into their playlist already. So again, I'm only DJing quote. <laughs> as Tony likes to say, you know, so they don't understand it. And then also the piece where I actually did miss out on a corporate gig because I had um, mm-hmm. them booked on that particular date, which would have paid me probably double what I was charging them. Mm-hmm. And so I explained that to them and then subsequently didn't hear anything back. So, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude or anything, but you know, you, my, my time is worth something. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and they signed a contract. I mean, that agreeing to those terms. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure when people sign those contracts, they don't ever think that they're not going to fulfill it because I mean, paying half up front, that's, that's a fair amount of change. Oh yeah. You know, you could buy a whole bunch of, you know, dollar scratcher lottery tickets with that money or tacos or tacos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people get, they don't realize that all that behind the scenes stuff goes into it. And so I think, you know, you kind of maybe half jokingly said you had to close the laptop and walk yeah. away for a bit. Oh no, I did. I think that's, <laughs> a, yeah, I think that's an important step though, because there are times, I mean, there are times when people are just being a dick, right. But yeah. there are also times when pe- like that person said, Hey, since you haven't really done a lot of work for us yet, we were wondering, they probably weren't trying to just 
minimize be jerks right 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 they probably didn't realize and mm-hmm. so it's like okay <laughs> walk yeah. away process this how do yeah. i come back and yeah. explain this and i think what i put in the email is is i flipped it back on them i was like you know you know i had i was i had an offer for a gig on that same day this would be no different than me canceling on you in order to take this larger right. gig even though i'd already committed myself to your pro to your to your event so please understand where i'm coming from and you know i think that kind of maybe hit hit the nail on the head a little bit more so all right guys i have a question yeah are robots going to take our jobs yeah yeah all right well that was easy (laughs) this has been the passionate (laughs) dj (laughs) according to the atlantic.com there's it's estimated that almost all large american metropolitan areas may lose more than 55 percent of their current jobs because of automation in the next two decades yeah we felt it was really stunning since we are underestimating the probability of automation, says uh, Johannes Moenius, the director of the Institute for Special blah, 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 the person who prepared the report. Um, according to Wired.com, the robots haven't just landed in the workplace. They're expanding skills, moving up the corporate ladder, showing awesome productivity and retention rates, and increasingly shoving aside their human counterparts. One multitasker bot from Momentum Machines can make and flip a gourmet hamburger in 10 seconds and could soon replace an entire McDonald's crew. A manufacturing device from Universal Robots doesn't just solder, paint, screw, glue, and grasp. It builds new parts for itself on the fly when they wear out or bust. And just this week, uh, when it was the week that this was published, of course, Google won a patent to start building worker robots with personalities. This sounds like some Skynet shit right? here. As intelligent machines begin their march on labor and become more sophisticated and specialized than first-generation cousins like Roomba or Siri, they have an outspoken champion in their corner, uh, author and entrepreneur Martin Ford in his new book, Rise of the Robots. He argues that AI and robotics will soon overhaul our economy. Well, uh, you know, um, working in the technology industry... Um, I see it all the time. Like that's, yep. that's part of my job, you know, mm-hmm. is to find all this of these. It's your fault. <laughs> 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 right, right. Direct all hate mail. Trip at But, uh, you know, part of, part of our jobs is in the technology sector are to find inefficiencies and to, uh, or, or, uh, even to find opportunities to enhance efficiency, right? And uh, sometimes that is at the detriment of a worker. Um, but a lot of times, like, the point of my job is not to put people out of work. It's to help people do their work better. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like the Bobs from Office Space. <laughs> <laughs> what trip? What was it that you'd say you do around here? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm great with people. T- I'm great with people. people. <laughs> I take the reports to the customer. <laughs> but like, and so we're seeing this everywhere, right? Like, and just to go off on a really brief tangent, sure. um, that's not DJ related. At least here in in the United States po- uh, political system. What we're seeing is we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of this talk about bringing back the jobs and all mm-hmm. of that stuff and, and not getting into any political rhetoric at all. But the problem with that argument is that when you talk about all of these manufacturing or these like raw material, you mining. know, mining and, and all of these types of jobs, it, it's, it's not so much the regulations or it's not so much this, that or the other. There's all these different 
you know, uh, facets that go into the argument for or against. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, all of those other things being equal, once you get down to the business of doing those types of jobs, a lot of these plants, a lot of these businesses have automated so much of that stuff that even if you gave them the, 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 the you know, blank check and said, here, hire a thousand people if you want, you know, gave them all the incentives to do so, they wouldn't yeah. because you, they don't have the room, they don't have the job for those people to do. And, and I might get myself in trouble by saying it, but nor should they possibly right. in a lot of these cases because exactly. you know you don't hire people to are, stand around well or, <laughs> or i mean if you can replace a dangerous risky terrible job absolutely with a machine yeah then you probably should right right you know so that isn't exactly a direct parallel to djing well but, and that's <laughs> why i said going off i don't on know i've had some really sketchy gigs man <laughs> well, yeah that's Depends why on I, how warehousey the rave you know, right situation you know, there's is, asbestos and all <laughs> no, but um you know so that's why i said you know yeah. just a brief tangent now to pull that back over here to you know what we're talking about with djing i think you know we 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 started to get into this on, on the pyro episode uh i forget yeah. what number that was but Pyromania. I can tell you it's uh, 33. Okay, so in episode 33, uh, Serato came out with a, um, uh, had had just come out with a software piece called uh, Pyro, and it's on. As far as I know, it's still only on iOS uh, apps, or did they come out checked. with an Android version yet? Um, but it's it's a smart playlist beat matching piece of software mm -hmm. right and then from that episode we kind of you know exploded into or into all these different like uh bullet points and this kind we danced around this and actually kind of touched on this uh, this whole topic um in that episode uh for me i just i don't i don't foresee technology not trying to replace a DJ. Like we already see that yeah. to some degree, right? We've got the, I think we had mentioned, uh, you know, the touch tunes, you know, interactive, uh, jukebox Jukeboxes, things. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got software like pyro that can, you know, uh, competently beat match, you know, tracks together and stuff like that. But, you know, when we were talking about AI, you know, the AI is everywhere now. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you got Google and IBM and, and uh, Microsoft and, and yeah, I mean, all of these like huge companies and even some smaller startups are really like digging into this AI thing and making, you know, these software entities smart enough to learn and to take care of themselves, you know, and, and all yeah. of that type of thing. So why would this be an off limits thing? Yeah. And when you ask that question now, you know, will it attempt it? Will it attempt to, you know, get into this DJ performance uh, arena for the sake of like reading human beings and learning our behavior and, and, and figuring out, you know, what things you can do with that kind of information, right? Yeah. I mean, Facebook basically already does that, right? So, Amazon, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Amazon, Pandora. Exactly. Uh, but can it? is is right. the real question well i think so, it can just but can it can it be as effective as a human being well it, because one of the th one of the points we kind of got into in that episode if i remember correctly was you know uh 
computers, the way that we, you know, design software, at least in, in, in most applications is make it efficient, have it may go through a set of logic, logical algorithms to make the best decision based on true false answers, right? Okay. Like a, a computer doesn't know what gray is. It's all binary. Yeah, except for, is it true, is it false? There's no real maybe. The only way you get to a maybe you in that, program that in, right? you have to program enough black and white to create a gray, or to, <laughs> to create the illusion of a gray. But at the right. end of the day, it, every every decision a computer makes is either true or false. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that is all based on its programming. So, you know, why would we program these inefficiencies or these uh, calculations to take risks. You know, for example, you get into supply chain management, right? Uh, and this is kind of going off on another tangent. Okay. But, but if you get into supply chain management, the whole goal of supply chain management is to get product A to place B, you know, in the shortest amount of time, least in in most economically efficient. Absolutely. And to keep your inventory levels as low as possible, possible. Yeah in order to save that money and keep reinvesting that money. And, and, you know, so the, the leaner you can run, but keeping that pipeline moving with all of the top product and all, and, and making sure that things get where they're supposed to go, that makes you the most amount of money. And I think this is a piece that Dave and I talked about when we were discussing the topic is that, you know, a computer is very linear, you know, it'll do a and B, but where a DJ has the capacity to take risks, I don't know if a computer can, even if you program it in, will it be an appropriate risk? And I know like one of the things I talked about a long time ago when I was still a listener, we were talking about intelligent DJing, like knowing like, can I drop this old school hip hop track in the middle of this drum and bass crowd? Right. You know, or can I, you know, lay out this house track, you know, or I think you, I think Trip, you talked about it, uh, doing like some halftime drum and bass, you know, with a hip hop crowd. Right. You know, you obviously experienced the inverse when you were at a hip hop club playing, playing house. house yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and so like, you know, when when software is being written like that, it wouldn't take those risks because, you know, back to my supply chain management example, you know, there's some product out here that everybody is going nuts over, but it's brand new. There's no history behind it. There's nothing that any that tells this computer that this is actually something that we want to bring in and start calculating. We need more of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to take a human to, to make those kinds of calculations and risks and to, and to be able to see those things. So coming back to DJing, you know, yeah, exactly. If you have this like optimized AI that is able to read everybody's heartbeats and heart mm. rates and body temperatures and, and their amount of movement out there on a dance floor or whatever, like it, even if it's, you know, running at full capacity and let's say it's doing a tech house set, like no, it, there's no computer in the world that's going to go, I think I'm going to drop a drum and bass track right here. Like, you yeah. know, I don't think most humans would either. But there might be, you know, some like take Bad Boy Bill, for example. Bad Boy Bill successfully pulled that off a bunch of times yeah, like, right. <laughs> like, and did it well. And, and it worked. I don't think there's any computer out there that or software that would go out there and do that. Yeah. Um, on that pyro episode that we did, episode 33. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though our, our friend and co-host Tony DeSero is not here today, uh, he went back. <laughs> boo. <laughs> He went back and listened to this episode last night and oh, picked yeah? out a couple clips for us. Oh, so he's nice. here in spirit. 
So uh, kind of relating to what you're talking about. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, here's a clip from that episode. And I know like right now when I go out, if I go to see one of you guys play or, or any artist that I'm interested in, I'm not even necessarily there to discover new music, but rather like I want to see what you guys do with it. The approach. Yeah, right, right, like right. where's your head at and what are you doing and what are you bringing to the table? How are you using these pieces of music to make it your own? You know, I find that interesting. Right. Which is something that I, I'm sure eventually technology is going to try to emulate as well. But at the same time, it's like, who's who's going to gather to go listen to DJ Serato Pyro? Right. You know what I mean? Which I, I guess is another point. I mean, at, you know, at what point is the, is it fair to consider the DJ sort of an, an icon or an avatar or, you know, a symbol of what we're going to see? Because, you know, I'm not going to go to, you know, a mega club or therapy cafe around the corner or whatever to just listen to a tech house playlist but I'll go to see Tony play Tech House. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. Well, and going back to the human element of the side of all of this, humans take risks, whereas mm. machines calculate. Yeah. So they want, you know, depending on who programmed the machine, of course, but most of the time, software, hardware, things like that are geared towards maximum efficiency. Wow. If nothing else, I'm consistent. There you go. <laughs> um, no wavering with that guy. <laughs> I have another clip that kind of talks about that, that element of uh, that human element of surprise kind of thing that you were talking about, like dropping the drum and bass in and right, stuff. Right. Um, so this kind of relates to that as well. Regardless, if it thinks you know what you want to hear, it doesn't, it won't detect the way that I'm feeling at that point in time. Yeah. It just, it just won't. You can't replace the human element. Yeah, and well, no matter how good the technology gets, I think there's something to be said for being surprised. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if the technology can predict exactly what the perfect song is that you want to hear right this second, that's all fine and good. But what about those moments where you go, oh, shit, what was that? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And that's something that, that the human element provides. Absolutely. That's, that, to me, I, I kind of compare it to Google. You know, I search on Google, Google shows me what it thinks I want to search for, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, it displays all this stuff. I don't want that. I want to see stuff that I don't even know is out there. So kind of what you're talking about, the, uh, the, the human has a, if you want to call it intuition or, um, I, I don't mean that in kind of a woo way, but they, they have feeling. a feeling about what might and might not work in a particular situation. Right. And especially if that DJ is really in tune with that dance floor venue um, region even. Right, right. Um, so that being said... I was going to say, I feel a devil's advocate coming yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I actually disagree with a lot of what you guys said. Okay. As far That's as it, I'm packing my as, <laughs> as far as it relates to basically everything that you said that follows, computers will never be able to X. Mm. I disagree uh, with almost all of those statements that we had now and in that last episode because I, I think we underestimate how good that they're going to get. I, I, 
I I can concede that it because it be, um, only because I I I hate always and never right like because yeah. if you all Absolutely. if you always say yeah. always and never or if you if you subscribe subscribe to some kind of binary thought like that then yeah it, it totally takes that out of the equation and because we we got to realize we're we're spending time right now talking about AI but there's another element here and that's data mm. and if you have a an intelligent system pool, yeah. with a big data pool that says, oh, you're Trip Turlington, mm. and at the last 10 shows, here's what you reacted to. Right. And in, you know, back in 2021, there was this moment where, where uh, the music changed to drum and bass, and you just flipped out. And that happened to, like, 15 other people in the room. Mm. So this mm. is probably a good time to do something like that. Mm. I think that the that the AI and the data set is going to get that scary. Well, and I think we should accept that that's going to happen. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, because we're already starting to see some of that, yeah. right? I mean, we've got AI that can create motivational posters. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit pretty scary. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got AI that, that can write music now, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and you don't even have to have AI to your data, uh, the, to your point about data. Yeah, um, is, it a, is it artificial intelligence or is it data analysis? Right, because... You combine the two and you've got some power there. Right, because even us as, you know, uh, as, as human beings, the, the data is already there and it can be harnessed. Um, take um, a website called Hook Theory, for example. Um, if you're ever in the in the mood to, you know, burn an afternoon, if you're even remotely interested in music theory, if you go to hooktheory.com, you can go to this website and they have analyzed several, several, several thousands of songs mm. and, uh, and have broken them all down by their chord progressions and their melodies and all of that type of thing. Right? So if you are a musician and let's say you want to write the perfect pop song, and you've got, uh, uh, and I use perfect in, in an imperfect way there. But <laughs> Start off with a bomb ass photo shoot. <laughs> so you can go out there and let's say, you know, you've, you've decided your motif. You've decided your, the attitude of the song and, and you've picked the key. Okay. So you, you select your key and then you can plug that key in and then start from one circle and it'll say, okay, this is your fundamental. And from that fundamental, it'll say this many thousands of songs went to this chord next. This many mm, thousands of songs right. went to this chord next. This many went to a different chord next. So and all these songs that did this chord progression got 52% more plays on Spotify. Exactly. Than these. Exactly. So, you know, you can write the next hot four chord song, yeah. <laughs> you know, the hashtag fire. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, so. Um, you know, you can take data from any of that, whether you're a human or a machine and create, you know, something that is, uh, that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it because you're working with tried, true, tested, you know, data. Right. And if you, if you take, if you get to the point where you have sensors of some kind, which are say detecting heartbeat and or heart rate and and perspiration or blood alcohol levels, blood alcohol <laughs> levels or whatever it is, you know so the the Pioneer CDJ four thousand has a little you know sensor RF unit on the, sensor on the front, on there, yeah. right, right. and you know 
then you end up with a situation where not only can the technology crowd read, but it can also access all this data more than we ever could, unless right. we're sitting there doing Google searches and you know research sure. behind the DJ booth while everyone's dancing, right? So that being the case, whether you agree or disagree with that, that, that the technology will get there, let's assume for a moment that, that it does. Privacy concerns then off what? to the side. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But then what? Do, does this go away? Does DJing, is there no reason for us? Have DJs, have robots won the battle there? I think it would have to take some sort of cultural shift where people would accept the fact that there is not a avatar um, behind the decks. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. Because, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I mean, Tupac performed at Coachella, right? right. And he's been dead for how many years? Right. Like, you know, allegedly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag you know, seven day theory. He was just in a movie the other day. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I think you're right. It's going to take some kind of a cultural shift to say, okay, I'm I'm not going to see this type of avatar. I'm not going to go see this human DJ. I want to go see this, you know, technological advancement of a hologram or, or, uh, you know, a flashing stage or a logo or, you know, whatever that machine happens to be. You so know. does that mean you guys are, are conceding that human DJing will no longer be relevant at that point? I think it'll still be relevant because yeah. I mean, we, I think we already tried this once with the player piano. You know, fair enough. And you are a classically trained pianist. So why is it interesting? Is that how you say it, pianist? Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so in that case, then what? What? Why is it more interesting to watch me play a song rather than a player piano that's better at it than me? I personally like to go see a DJ. One to see them because, like. I'll give you an example. Brett Johnson the other day that came in with the volume uh, series a couple weeks ago is probably the first time I ever saw a DJ get out from behind the decks and get on the dance floor and dance during his own set. <laughs> a computer won't do that. You know, if a computer is trained to be efficient and effective and quote unquote perfect, I'm not going to get the, uh, the rush of listening to someone try and, you know, bring in, tr trying to do, uh, do a mix and they're a little bit off, right. you know, and they save it and you're like, Oh, he got it. He got it. He got it. You know, <laughs> right. but that's interesting and exciting. Not because I don't want to see him fail. I just want to see him recover. Yeah. You know, but it's not, it's not because the sound went off and then it came back. It's because the human almost lost control yeah. and then they pulled it back and there's something impressive or exciting. You almost like there's an empathy thing there. And, where and you're because, like, oh yes, he got it. And because I'm a DJ, I know what that's like. Yeah. You know, and you in that that moment of panic where you're like, oh, shit. We, OK, come on, Mo, let's get let's get it together. You know, in and, other words, a robot could knock the beat matching off a little bit, but that wouldn't be nearly as interesting as watching a human recover. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like me being interested in technology as I am, like I think that an automated, artificially intelligent, you know, big data uh, DJ is an interesting thing that I would love to get, you know, into the nuts and bolts of, you know, I would love to see the software behind it. I would love to see the code and I would yeah. really like to see how it's all put together and how it does what it does from the nerdy aspect. Yeah, right. I agree. But yeah. if I'm going to a club, well then I expect that thing to just be there. It's going to do its thing. 
I'm not watching it. I'm, you know, we expect computers to do things perfectly, right? Or at least the algorithms, you know, I mean, we all know, you know, you know, technology sometimes fails us and sometimes in really bad ways. But, (laughs) you know, for, for this concept of the perfect DJ, you know, you're going to a club, there's not really anything exciting there. You're walking in, there's music playing and yeah, that music might be geared and, and, and formulated and, and crunched together and, and, you know, put on based on what it knows about the people in the room. But to me, there's nothing exciting about that. I expect it to just do its job. And for as long as I can remember when going to a club, and hearing the music and making my way to the dance floor, I've always inherently looked for the DJ. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, to that point, so Joey Santos, he's a contributor to Digital DJ Tips. Okay. He wrote this. I checked out this club in London last year. It was absolutely packed, and as usual, I made my way to the DJ booth, a habit I picked up from Manila Clubbing in the late 90s, where mega brands like Cream, Renaissance, and Ministry of Sound would fly out whichever DJ they were promoting at the time and spread their sound, etc. I had a tough time making my way to the LED wall where, presumably, the DJ booth was because there were so many people. When I got closer to the booth, it suddenly hit me. There was no DJ. That's why folks had their backs to the screen, dancing with each other in little circles instead of facing one direction. I should have guessed, really. The tracks seemed to just fade in and out of each other, beat mixing be damned. It was just a machine-picked playlist of 90s bubblegum pop and guilty 80s new wave pleasures. (laughs) Nice. I thought that this sort of thing happened only in little bars and pubs where background music was played, but here I was in this big club where it was happening right in front of my own eyes. An app was DJing for the club, and the crowd could care less. We left around 4 a.m., and the party was still going strong. I've been thinking about that night since. I think I think there that that's an interesting thing because we as DJs inherently want to see a DJ. We like to we like to be yeah. DJs. We like to you know be involved in DJing, and some of us you know like to support the whole notion of DJing, while others like to tear other DJs down. But there's a whole culture you know within that, and because of that, I think we inherently look for the DJ booth. Um, yeah. So, but. You know, as somebody who's been DJing for two decades, you know, there's there's definitely something to be said for there's a lot of people who don't even know what we do, much less even know that we're there. Mm -hmm. This whole thing where the DJ is the superstar is actually fairly new within the last, you know, eight, 10 years, you know, before that in in our and or at least in our, you know, super rave, you know, years, you know, the golden era of, of, of raving through the nineties and the early, and the very early two thousands, uh, you know, the DJ while was a superstar to those that knew what the DJ was doing and, and what these DJs were and all of that, you know what I mean? Like, but there were still, you know, in a party of 2000, there might still be half the room that has no idea. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on other than, you know, John Digweed is on the decks, <laughs> you know, and what's he doing up there? I don't know. And if you replace John Digweed with Hal, yeah. <laughs> you know, are they really going to notice the difference if they played the exact same set? No, there, I think, there's there's definitely yeah. a, pop, a portion of the population that's not going to know the difference. I, I think that this conversation usually goes either. DJing is going to keep continuing the way it always has, or it's going to go this technological route 
and all our bars are going to be DJed by robots and nobody's saying those can both be things at the same time. Or the, the, um, like why not? Yeah, definitely not. Why not? But, or, or better yet, you know, that there it's, it's somewhere in the middle, you know, that, like you said, you know, um, you know, the CDJ 4,000, you know, would have, you know, these types of like sensors and things like that on it that sure, uh, you know, if a club owner didn't want to pay a human DJ, but they wanted to spend X amount of dollars on a, on an AI DJ, well then you could do that. But then have that ability for us as humans that want to buy the CDJ 4000 to, to have the access to that same data and the ability to read it and react to it. You know, I think the the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. And and DJing as it is today is not going to be the same, you know, over the next two oh, decades. Yeah. No. Like it, if if anything in my previous two decades has held true is that things have changed, and and it's usually the technology well, yeah. that changes it, right? Well, because I mean, the, for for a long time, it was two turntables and a and a mixer, you know, and and. That's what it was. But as technology kept, like Pioneer, you know, kept making the DJM mixers so much more feature rich and all of that, then, you know, oh, people are cheating, right? (laughs) And all that stuff. Well, and then all of a sudden, you know, then you get, you know, the DVS systems that, you know, started in the early 2000s as well. And then that's people cheating. And, and, you know, but it's always that, that technology that, you know, you got your early adopters, but then once it kind of proves itself out, then you get these waves of people that adopt these newer technologies. You know, Serato, Tractor, all of that stuff w- wouldn't be anywhere if it, yeah. if, if it wasn't for things like Final Scratch. You know, so these big pie in the sky, you know, huge ideas that, you know, we're kind of playing around with of, you know, Skynet, you know, yeah. instead of killing us all, you know, just slays us with hot beats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, you know, you who I be don't, a slave I, to the rhythm. <laughs> exactly. I don't think that's so far off, but I also don't think that, um, I, at least let me say this, regardless of what I think, I hope that it doesn't, uh, you know, get rid of what we know of as DJing, allow DJing by humans to evolve as it may, but, you know, definitely don't get rid of it. It's fun, you know, and and, and there's that human element that we talked about prior to that, where it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to see, you know, people who are imperfect and not, you know, expected to be perfect Mm -hmm. to get up there and do impressive things with, whatever is the hot technology. So going back to your, your automatic piano, you know, and, and, and David, I would be much more impressed. Watch me make mistakes than (laughs) for it to play perfectly. Right. Or, or, you know, even, or, or, you know, even if you don't make a mistake, you know, whether you play perfectly or imperfectly, you know, you're always going to have that, um, that difference in velocity. You're never going to play it the same way, you know, ever. You know, you, you might get pretty darn close and you'll have a particular consistency, um, but it's never going to be the exact same, you know, however many times. And not to say that a machine can't do that either, but if that's what we're building these machines and expecting them to do, you know, it's a machine. Then it's something I'd be interested in listening to or putting in my headphones, but not engaging in the same way as I do a performer. Or, exactly. Well, and, and exactly. Maybe a 
something that's a kind of a parallel to that is, you know, going and listening to the jukebox or whatever mm-hmm. versus going and watching a live band play. I can do either, but, you know, I choose to go see my friends and his band go play out just because it's something cool to do, the social aspect of it, you know, right. and seeing human beings that have a skill set that I don't possess. Right. You know, right. And, and, and acknowledge that I do. So I appreciate it. In a different exactly. Way. And exactly. I acknowledge yep. that their, their skill and their work and their time that they've gone into developing that skill set. I think Tony might've picked us out a, uh, a clip related to the jukebox here. Let's check that out. We've already said nobody's going to show up to listen to a pyro or to, to listen to an iPad. That computer a- is not me. That computer is not you, nor is it you. Right. And it's it- never going to be the draw. Right. I mean, jukebox has been around for what, 60, 70 years. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, for sure. I mean, this is not, I mean, you want to know how to read a crowd? Give them control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then another one that kind of talks about seeing the icon, you know, going to, to see that human person perform. So, even though I kind of got into this, you know, after the sort of golden era of that whole, you know, rave culture thing kind of dying down. Sure. Um, my, all my influences, all my personal influences, like you guys, for example, are from that. So that's where my influence comes from. And, you know, I, I, I used to have the, the kind of outlook of that's how it should be. Nobody should give a crap about the DJ. They should be there for the music and the, you know, that autonomous zone that's created on that dance floor when everybody's got that synergy and it shouldn't be about the DJ. I, I don't throw that away entirely, but at the same time, there's something to be said about people getting excited for that that icon because, I mean, how is this, for one thing, how is this even sustainable without that? Because uh, like like we said right now, that you know, we you can give the entire control of the music to the crowd. Like I, I went to last weekend, I went to a local sports bar and they have one of those touch uh, tunes, touch tunes, yeah. things, right? <laughs> Which it's, always turns into a nightmare, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, basically for those who don't know, and I, I don't know if this is universal, this is just something we have in the States, but um, basically it's like a, a, an electronic jukebox, but there's an app for it and you can, you know, anybody who's in the room can, can add their, you know, 99 cents to play the next song or or five dollars to make your song the next song that right. gets played <laughs> right i'm in the states and didn't even know about this well, yeah. <laughs> i don't but, frequent sports bars so, yeah so. which is you know it's it's kind of cool it's, a, it's an yeah. interesting you know evolution of the jukebox but you know it's like i said earlier no, nobody's gonna be like you guys want to go to see dj touch tunes you know <laughs> you want to go see what the people at at carmela's pizzeria want to hear tonight right like, that's right. just not that's not what gets us excited about this. Exactly. And that, that camaraderie, I don't think will ever be replaceable without a human behind or a human on a stage somewhere. So kind of to, to what we were talking about there, Mo, you came over the other day and we talked about this a little bit. Let's move this into the realm of, of visuals and say, I was just getting ready to say the same thing. Cause I've got this thing formulating in okay. my head. But. I was going to, I was going to say, I have a printer at home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it fascinating for me to watch my printer print the most beautiful picture I've ever seen? <laughs> Not really. Right. Would it be impressive to watch Bob Ross do it or somebody else? Absolutely. That's the exact same analogy I was going after. You know, you could plug in 
all of the textures and colors and styles of all of the greatest painters ever, right? And plug all of that stuff into a computer and, and have it crunch through the algorithms to come up with what it would determine is, you know, the the most aesthetically pleasing, you know, uh, most classic, most future thinking, just the quintessential piece of art that will define all of our existence. Everything's right? checked against the golden ratio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you, you went you went high school on <laughs> But you know, once that cranks it once it cranks it out, is is it? You know, is it right. really impressive? Is it do or we, maybe it's impressive for a different reason. Right. But you know uh, or even just pick one, you know, just take Leonardo da Vinci. Okay. Like plug everything that, you know, Leonardo ever did into this machine. Let the machine recreate those pieces of art. Mm. Is that any more impressive? No. Like it's it, impressive for nerds like us because of the tech. Right. Or not, because of the precision, like not, to right. whatever, like if it can create, recreate Leonardo stuff, you know, to a particular precision, to where you can't really tell the difference. Well, we already have people who do that too. But to me, that's more impressive because those are people doing it, you know, to such a counterfeiting degree, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't tell the difference, yeah. but, um, you know, so coming back to DJing, like, you know, is it more impressive for us to, you know, hear, you know, DJs like, you know, take somebody like a track, you know, a track is, extremely versatile hip hop background or even Z trip, you know, people like that, you know, who have these like hip hop and scratching backgrounds and just these, you know, entire catalogs of, of so much crazy wax and just all of the, the, this immense knowledge of music, but the ability to like, you know, ad hoc some things or, or, you know, to really like take those risks and, and change things up and, and read those crowds. Can a machine do it? Sure do we care? <laughs> like, you know, like I just, you know, for me, it, it's the impressive, uh, acknowledgement of, you know, all of the hard work that another human being puts into their craft yeah. versus a machine that is put in its, in the human's place to, uh, to either augment that, that humans, um, uh, efforts or to replace them altogether for the purpose of better efficiency. You know, I think I'm working on an awesome analogy. Let me see if I can crank this out. All right. This would be really relevant. So you have cars, normal cars that you drive around in, and you have race car drivers, and they're awesome to watch. Right. Okay. Because of the skill that's involved in what they're doing with those vehicles, and we drive those vehicles, and we know how hard it is to do the crazy stuff that, you know, I mean, turning left or for hey, four hey, hours. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> that, that's that's Easy. hard stuff. No. Easy. <laughs> Somebody had to, yeah, fl- the, do the flushing the skittles down the toilet joke for NASCAR. <laughs> Haters. Okay, Haters. but okay, let's say drifters or yeah, no, what, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. analogy, whatever, okay. yeah, whatever. Awesome is. drivers are sure. awesome to watch because of the skill, right? Right. right. And then we have stuff like uh, Tesla Motors, mm-hmm. and they're working on this like adaptive cruise control that's kind of a stepping stone into autonomous vehicles where you can get on the highway and it'll pretty much take you home. Right. You know, it'll keep you a certain distance from the car in front of you and all that fun stuff. Right. We also have roller coasters. 
-hmm. they're on rails entirely. You have absolutely no control over what they do. It's all predetermined by the rail. Right. Right. It is not impressive for me to watch the train go across the train track, the roller coaster to go on the tracks. It might be fun to take that ride. Sure. But it's not necessarily impressive for me to watch. I'm not seeing any skill there that has to do with the moving around of that vehicle. Right. Right. As I would if I'm watching the driver. Okay. Yep. So driving the car, that's like, you know, regular ass DJing, DJing with vinyl or, or whatever. Then maybe you have cruise control and, and you know, semi-automated driving, and that's like using sync and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about, you know, Serato or maybe the fully automated nightclub thing, that's like being on rails, okay? Right. It right. might still be a thrill for everybody that's on the ride. Sure. That doesn't mean it's necessarily interesting in the same way as me going to a racetrack and watching that. Right, right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's that, that human element is I think what really brings this all kind of together. It's it's having that kind of connection with whoever whomever is doing that performance, even if it's something that a machine could do better, right? Right, so, agreed. Right. Uh, Mo, when you came over the other day, we also talked about how I think that it's it's really important to point out, you know, there's, there's always kind of a running joke in, in a lot of DJ communities about, you know, when you go to a particular show, like everybody there is a DJ, oh. right? And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of silly, right? Right. <laughs> can't throw a glow stick without hitting a DJ. Right, right. right. <laughs> but I think that I think we should foster that. I think that's the way forward. I think that's what keeps the art alive because sure. like why should why shouldn't 100% of the people in the crowd be DJs and appreciate what each other's doing? I don't I'm fine with that. Well, and to kind of come back to the tangent that I started off with, you know, it's absolutely paramount in my mind that we teach things like computer programming, even if it's just some basic stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, in our high schools and make sure that everybody at least has the exposure to it so that they have some fundamental understanding of how these things work. Because I don't want everybody to be a programmer, but I at least want everybody to understand what, what it's all capable of. Right. And unless you understand how something works, you really don't have an appreciation for it. You know, and that comes down to everything from our phones and and the internet and how all of the, all of this stuff works. So coming back to DJing, when we've got, you know, all of this gear that is at, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the higher end stuff is cost prohibitive, but by and large, it's a lot cheaper to get into DJing today than it was 20 years ago. Agreed. And you know, because of that and because there's apps and because there's all of these different ways for people, for people to get into it, there's all of this new, um, there's all of these new ways for people to understand it and to, you know, get familiar with it and to develop that appreciation for it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not so critical that it's like, okay, we need to teach like DJ culture class in high school or anything, <laughs> right. but the hell we don't, but, but, but to your point. Be, yeah. You know, if, if we could ever get, you know, especially America to get back to, you know, music and arts in, yeah. in high school programs and to prioritize sure. those things, why not have a DJ, you know, a, a DJ and, and a music production, you know, type of class, you know, to go along with your band, your choir and all of that, you know, those types 
types of things. I mean, Rob, there's so many yeah. practical applications for it. Yeah, I Rob mean, Swift is a professor. Was it CUNY or something like that? Some, something yeah. like that. But, I mean, even just take, you know, for example, you, you do uh, your son's football games. Yeah. You know, if they're not to take that job out of your hands. but No, but I would know, love to teach, like, some freshman exactly, to do what I do. To have that as, like, an internship And then, and then have program. him teach another kid yeah. and another kid so that way it never dies. Right, right. You know? Exactly. You know, and it, so to me that that that's one of those things. It, it as long as the the appreciation for the culture is still there, right? You know, then I I don't think that we'll be, you know, totally embracing of our you know computerized overlords. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also don't think that we're going to stave them off. I think they're going right. to find their way into you know. Bars and, you know, I mean, just like the bars that, 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 you know, employ the touch tunes and stuff like that, you know, you know, maybe they, they go that route, you know, but I think there's applications for it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, like obviously I want to go see a live DJ. So for me, that's not really going to be appealing to go to this room with no DJ just playing music. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the mom and pop small bars that really can't afford to bring a DJ. And like you mentioned earlier, right. trip, right. um, and maybe places I think those amusement parks like mm -hmm. Disneyland and Six Flags, mm -hmm. how they have those like clubs. I'm at sure night. Disney's already doing everything yeah, I mean, we're I mean, talking I, about here. <laughs> we have no I mean, idea what they do yeah, R and D underneath that place. I mean, those places already have the captive audience. So do they sure. really need to pay more money to, you know, to pay a human being right. to, to do that when there's, you know, uh, programs that can do that for them already? I don't I, really I, think so. I'll even take it to, to the extreme of it. It might be, not only is there an application for it, it might be better for those scenarios in because a, like a, yeah. I could DJ at Club Disney or whatever it is, but those people aren't going to care in the same way that my DJ friends or my scene friends or whatever they are when the they come out come to, to see your garage. Me. Yeah. Yeah, be, yeah. Or come out to, yeah, just to a house party. They're not going to appreciate it in the same way because they don't know or care what's going on. And I'm going to play eventually i'm going to play less efficiently than machines can sure uh, efficiently meaning i'll play what if they get to the point where they do super duper awesome 100 of the time and right, right. for me it's a hit or miss like any dj yeah, right yeah. so in those scenarios like you're talking about mo it might be a better choice oh i'm thinking like and so like that's okay yeah places like that i'm thinking like cruise ships uh vacation you know resorts you know things where the money spent in other places I personally would, you know, do I pay a kid a hundred dollars an hour to come rock the house or do I pay a thousand dollars a year for this program or this service? Mm, right. I'm probably going to pay the thousand dollars a year because right. I don't really care if the people enjoy that there's no, that there is or is not a DJ. You know, are they buying drinks? Are they buying uh, souvenirs? And are they coming back? Yeah. That's all I really right, care about. Right. And, you know, we, we could run this, you know, several analogies into the ground over and over again. I just, I love analogies, but right, right. you know, in the, like take my, my grandfather, he builds, uh, model airplanes, yeah. right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He builds those from scratch. He designs them on, he, like he drafts them on paper and cuts them and builds them out of piece, builds all the little ribs and stuff. Right. You could also do a kit to do that. And that's kind of impressive, but not as impressive. Right. And then you can just buy one that a machine made. Right. So, if you just want to fly plane, fly a model airplane, you can do that however you want. They're all going to accomplish that task. Right. But if I appreciate carpentry and craftsmanship, and craftsmanship right, right. I want to watch Grandpa build it. Right. Yeah.
I agree. Yeah. Cool. I think that's going to wrap it up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) This is... No. This has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Passionate DJ, on SoundCloud, Passionate DJ, on Twitter, at DJ with Passion, and, of course, on Facebook. And we will see you guys next time. Peace. Later. NASCAR's a real sport. So question about that. Do you guys like back in your day when you were doing shows routinely, did you ever kind of do that on purpose to like kind of clear the dance floor? What's that? Like, like, like switch things up. So that way. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So long, 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 long time ago in the old school rave days, we used to put Gabber and hardcore DJs at four in the morning. Wow. (laughs) Because we've made our money. Yeah. Right. We're done. Every, you know, all the headliners are done. Uh, you know, so the only people that are still are dancing the strong are the ones who, you know, probably did something around 2 a.m., yeah. maybe 3 a.m., right. <laughs> you know, to keep themselves fueled to go through the night and head to the after yeah. hours. The orange juice. <laughs> yeah, the orange juice. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. So that's that's what we did is we put hardcore and gabber DJs at the very, very end. And uh, and that'll do it. That'll clear a, a dance floor, yeah. except for. You know, typically, you know, back then it was about a couple dozen. (laughs) (laughs) There might still be a hundred people on the dance floor or, you know, you know, mulling around the party or whatever. Yep. As soon as that goes on. And it's like, nope, 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 nope. (laughs) Everybody head off to the after party where somebody's like playing tech house. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a trance in there? (laughs) Do you have anything with words in it? (laughs) Right.